What's up, Video Landers? I am your host, Dr. Diamond Doug. Triple D. And with me tonight is Mr. Miggity Miggity Mac. That's me. Quick reminder, you can find us on AdventuresInVideoLand.com or on our Facebook page, Adventures in Video Land. We are Critics with Attitude. In many of the AV podcasts, you'll hear some bad language. That's, that's not really our style. Let's just try to keep it PG-13. Absolutely. So, also, spoiler alert, if you don't want tonight's movie ruined, pause this episode, watch the movie, and come back later. With that said, tonight we'll be talking about our Pantheon nomination number five, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. It's nominated by Kyle Brown with our guest voter, Andrew Brandon Carroll. Before we get to any of that, let's chat about Pantheon. Mr. Gary, in your own words, what is Pantheon? Pantheon is a movie that's a must-see. It's something that you should add to your uh, experience catalog. Something that has a fantastic director, writer, great script. It's cast well. If it has special effects, the special effects should, should really stand up to time. Or, if they're not super great special effects that look realistic, if they're intentionally done in a way to be stylistic, they should be good. They should be good special effects. What else should be included in Pantheon? Well, I'd also say that if it is a movie that is uh, genre-specific, that it is an exemplar of that genre. It right stands on. out as, a, as something that should be seen. Uh, essential viewing is a, is a term that gets thrown around. Essential viewing. Um, all right, so as we look back, uh, Mr. Gary... What movies have we done so far? Well, you and I have done four so far. Uh, we started off with Dear Zachary, uh, which was nominated by Jeremy and Kyle. Uh, we did Boogie Nights, uh, which is uh, a Mark Wahlberg vehicle uh, about uh, the porn industry in the 70s. We've talked about Pink Floyd, The Wall, which the title stands by itself. Everybody should know at least the music, if not the movie. And we've done Miami Connection, a fantastic 80s cocaine ninja taekwondo martial artist rock and roll movie uh, as well. So we sure. have run the gamut. Sure. And uh, just to, to see what are the votes uh, that that we're looking at. And by the way, let me just say that the, the way Pantheon works for anyone who's not familiar with it, that there is a council of nine individuals. There's a guest voter and there's also a Facebook poll that counts as one of the votes and you need a two-thirds majority which so is 11 votes you need at least seven of oh, them that is correct to get into pantheon that so is right looking down the votes for the four movies that you have mentioned mm -hmm. dear zachary what was the votes on that well two said yes nine said no so two of 11 it did not make it all right and boogie nights uh was this a literal split decision six yeses so almost made it but not quite and Pink Floyd, The Wall. Uh, three votes, yes. And uh, I think math says eight votes, no. That one didn't make it either. And then Miami Connection. Another another nail-biter right down to the line. It was six votes, yes. So close. You were a guest voter on that one. You voted yes as well. I did. But it still didn't quite make it, even with that extra, even with that extra vote. And for those who are keeping track and keeping score at home, uh, what is the... Where are we at in terms of movies that we've put on Pantheon so hold, far? Hold, hold on, let me carry the one. Yeah, carry the tight, set, like get man, square let's this. Let's get the chalkboard the out. Of the, uh, of the... There you go. Uh, zero for four. Yeah, yeah. They we are zero oh for four. I don't know if we're cursing them or yeah. if we just it's just in a little bit of a dearth right now because nothing's nothing's getting in. So uh, and, and as far as how we've called it, just uh, you and me and the Pantheon companion. Uh, we are four for four. Yeah, like we we uh, we were close on these. Now the split, the some, split ones. Some of the split ones we said it'd be split. We didn't know which way it would go. Yeah, but we we did call the other ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. So uh, so just as a, a a little bit of foreplay, as it were, for this conversation. All right. Tonight that we're looking at the Life Aquatic with Steve Sassou, directed by Wes Anderson, who is quirky. He is. He's a he's a quirky director and makes quirky movies. When people who know Wes Anderson, when they think about his movies, they already have a, 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 an idea of what they would expect from those movies. That is correct. So, um, just in general, uh, what are some things? And quirky things are things that maybe uh, are a little offbeat. Maybe not everybody's into them. And I was right. wondering, just for you yourself, uh, what sort of oddities or or interesting things or things that are around the you know out of the mainstream that that really tickle your fancy well 
things that I that I like in Wes Anderson movies, I like that he portrays some of the characters as being really disconnected from everything around them. Sure. Uh, I'm entertained by that. Uh, many times I'm entertained by that. I, I think that's, that's more realistic than these characters that it seems like everybody's excited to be there. Everybody's got a role. They're all real happy to be involved. And in his movies, you know, that might only be two characters out of ten. A lot of them are just sort of doing their thing. I, so I'm, I'm thinking even more general, just uh, not movies, not not Wes Anderson movies, but just like all movies, TV shows, music, uh, any other stuff in life like that just is kind of like interesting to you, but it's quirky stuff. You know, Miami Connection is an example of that, and this has a tie-in to this movie in that sometimes the music that's being played, the soundtrack that's being played, uh, it, it's not expressing a feeling of what's happening. Sometimes it's expressing the literal story that's happening and in Wes Anderson movies that can happen like there'll be you know some events going on and then you'll note that the music that's playing is kind of directly connected not necessarily narrating in Miami Connection it was a a direct narration but in Wes Anderson movies sometimes the music is talking about what's happening uh, in the movie and and, and I, I can enjoy that I can like that uh, other times I find that to be kind of irritating. So for me, it's a flip back and forth. Sure. You know, just in terms of like oddities, um, that I went to college in the 90s and around that time that They Might Be Giants was, uh, that they were they were starting, you know, they were getting a little more mainstream and popular, but they were definitely quirky. Um and I really liked their stuff. Not everybody could get into it uh, because the the lyrics are absurdist and the music is kind of odd. And um, but but it was a flavor that I liked mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Um, not but again, not everybody liked it. Right. But it but it was but for me, it's like uh, once you know their style, you all you have to hear is two bars uh, of a "They Might Be Giants" song, and you're like, oh, that's "They Might Be Giants." Yep. Similar. You have to. All you have to do is see one frame of a Wes Anderson film, and you know, <laughs> you're like, that's a Wes Anderson film. Or you could hear a quote from a Wes Anderson film, and you're like, that's got to be from a, which Wes Anderson film is that from? Yeah, well, it, it, it could be something like innocuous, like the boat exploded. What? Oh, look at that! The boat exploded. Like that would be a line of dialogue yes. from Wes Anderson, right? That's there. correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, under underplayed for sure. So. Um, Let's chat a little bit about some of the movie facts related to yeah. the Life Aquatic. Uh, run us down the list of uh, some of the basics. Oh, well, the Life Aquatics are an R-rated movie. Uh, came out uh, Christmas Day, actually, 2004. It's a drama, adventure, according to Google anyway. But I would say also comedy. Although someone might some might put it in dark comedy or... Uh, or uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, I don't know, uh, absurdist? Absurdist comedy, that's the word. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it is directed by Wes Anderson, written by Wes Anderson and Noah Baumbach. Uh, Runtime about two hours, hour 59, about two hours. Uh, I have to say, uh, full disclosure, it took me two and a half hours to watch it all three times. Yeah. Uh, but runtime's about two hours, and it's put out by Touchstone, which makes it technically a Disney movie. I know. Go figure, there it is. Uh, and, and who would be the princess in this movie? Would you, like I, I know it might you might think Kate Blanchett, but I'm going to say Owen oh, Owen Wilson. I'd say Owen Wilson's yeah. the princess. It, it Unfortunately, <laughs> not very many Disney movies as the princess dies. So some would say Owen Wilson uh, is oh, the yeah. mom. Spoilers. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yes, there there you go. Um, so give a, so give a brief synopsis. What is this movie about? So it's about this internationally famous oceanographer, Steve Zissou, played by Bill Murray, and his crew. And they have uh, this a TV series. They set sail on an expedition to hunt down this mysterious, elusive, possibly not really existent jaguar shark, which at the beginning of the movie has killed Steve Zissou's like best friend and mentor, uh, his partner. Uh, in the very first scene, you see post the 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 killing of his of his partner and then the rest of the movie is uh zisu's uh, uh uh quest to find and kill this jaguar shark even though the people around him are all saying it's 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 almost dead it's almost extinct you can't kill it we just need to find it why are you wanting to kill it well 
because sure. it killed my best friend. Um, so if I was running that synopsis through SafeAssign to to see, it, it feels like maybe maybe it, it has a strong similarity to something you'd find on maybe Metacritic. Maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. Um, yeah. 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 I, I don't know. That, yeah. that's, uh, somebody can look that up. Yeah, they should probably look yeah, that up. They, they should definitely look that up. They should look that up. Um, all right. Let, let's walk through some ratings. How did it do? Yeah. Um, so... This is a mixed bag of a movie when it comes to ratings. Uh, the IMDb score is 7.3 out of 10. The Metacritic has it at 62. Uh, there's a good amount of votes, 21 positive, 15 mixed, 2 negative. Um, it's just uh, 6 higher than Miami Connection. Right. So it's it's in the same ballpark, would you say, as Miami Connection? And same general neighborhood. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has it at 55% fresh, 82% of the audience liked it. And don't you think that that's peculiar? 82% that liked it, but only 55% fresh. Yeah, that, that 55% fresh, right? Because like that means that 55% were positive reviews yep, as opposed yep. to the math, 45%. Uh, we should get the chalkboard out I again. I suppose so. Um, and then uh, its yearly ranking in the for movies in in 2004 was that it was 96. That's 96th on the chart. place. 96th place on the, yes. uh, on, on the movie listing chart. Yeah, not 96 out of 100 fantastic, but like yeah. there were all these movies and number 96 from the top. Uh, so Roger Roger Ebert gave it two point five out of uh, four stars or three stars, depending on if you look at Metacritic, they say out of four, I think it is. But mm. like when you look at Ebert's site, he only has three stars that he's basically. I, I don't know. Mm. But anyway, he says it has terminal whimsy. I can't recommend it, but I it, uh, but I would not. For one second, discourage you from seeing it. Yeah, he wouldn't say, don't waste your time. But if you said, tell me a great movie to watch today that's whimsical, he would not save this movie. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be on the list. Yeah. Um, so, like, here, here's a... So, like, su- from high to low, Christian Science Monitor loved it. David Starrett said the director of Rushmore and the Royal Tannenbaum scores his most funny, sad movie to date. 75... So, 75 on Metacritic, uh, New York Post, uh, Lou... Luminic says intermittently brilliant, intermittently hilarious, and occasionally tedious. Uh, six. So Metacritic sixty. Chicago Reader Jonathan Rosenbaum said Noah Baumbach collaborated on the Arch script, whose bittersweet weirdness leaves a residue even as the narrative disintegrates. <laughs> so don't you wonder what he means by residue? That's yeah. an interesting term. Uh, so Baltimore Sun Michael Sragow. Did not care for it. He said it's the strange comic misfire. It's the strangest comic misfire yet from Wes Anderson. Mm. And then just from some hoi polloi people, Mike G says, My favorite movie, the irony kills in this movie. And Doug Z says, I, I just don't get it. Wes, you stole two hours of my life. Can I have them two hours back? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm assuming that's what his accent is. I don't. I don't know. It could I be. So. It, it could be anything. Uh, from our own page, from the Adventures in Videoland page on Facebook, we have uh, Stephen Sh- Stephen Shepard says, "If by pantheon you mean pantheon of bad and disappointing Wes Anderson movies, then yes." I. That's I, high, high I think pre- he's saying yes. I, no, I don't think he is. I think <laughs> that's not. But uh, Malik Banks says, damn right it does. I'd nominate Bottle Rocket and Rushmore if they aren't as well. So uh, I'm down with Bottle Rocket for sure. <laughs> so we've we've got reviews uh, across the board. As far as receipts are concerned. Yeah, how to do money. This is fun. Uh, domestic gross, $24 million. Mr. Gary, ask me how much it costs to make. Hold, hold on, hold on. Hold on, before we go how much it costs to make, it probably made money internationally, though, so you got to add that in the pot, yeah, right? Yeah, $10 million. Okay, so $34 million sure. gross. How much, did it, how much did it cost to make? $50 million budget. So, I'll carry the two? Yeah, it didn't make I money. I think it lost $16 million. It lost, yeah, it lost You know, if they money. had just not paid Bill Murray, they'd have profited. They might have made it back in uh, VHS sales or DVD sales later. I don't well, know. Well, you can't, you can't stream it legally for free right now. So. No, I had to pay for it. Yeah. So somebody... I, ma- I paid $2.99 to watch it. I did, too, it. on Amazon Prime. I did, absolutely. Yeah, the standard def, not the high def. No, no, Because my def. internet kind of stinks. No. Because Frontier, that's another story. Yeah. If you're listening, Frontier, I'm watching you. 
So, uh, as far as the butts and seats index, and this is a uh, Pantheon Companion specific exclusive. Yeah, this is that something that we developed. We developed right the here. BSI, the, the butts and seats index. That's right. So, with a 2004 average ticket price of $6.21, if you do the math on this, that Life Aquatic has a BSI of 3.9 million butts and seats. So, 3.9 million people, maybe some duplicates, but 3.9 million tickets yeah, sold. Yeah, and that's off domestic. Math. That's yeah. off domestic. Yeah, yeah, domestic. Uh, comparisons, Royal Tannenbaum uh, from 2001 made 52.5. Four million with uh, mm. with the 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 two thousand one ticket price that of five dollars and sixty six cents that it has a BSI of nine point three million. Okay. So Royal Tannenbaums did more like, than double, more than two double. and a half almost. Uh, Rushmore uh, in nineteen ninety eight uh, that it pulled in seventeen point one million, and with the math, it comes out to three three point. Six million BSI, so, so this a little is the bit same less. Ballpark, though. Yeah, a little bit less than that, but so it's the same ballpark. Would you even say maybe even some of the same people that saw True. Rushmore went to see Live? Oh, absolutely, because there was Anderson absolutely. Fans. Now, just to compare compare it to something else, Bill Murray, yeah, in his best and most profitable movie. You mean wait? You mean Caddyshack? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm. I'm Gar- sorry. You Garfield. said most profitable. Garfield. <laughs> You said most profitable. <laughs> My mistake. Yeah. You're talking Ghostbusters. 1984 uh, pulled in $229.2 million with an average ticket price of $3.36. It had a BSI of $68 million. All right. So $68 million, butts and seats for Ghostbusters. Uh, just under four for Brushmore and, and Life and I don't, Aquatic. I, I don't, yeah. Under ten for uh, the Royal Tan. I don't have the sheet on it, but like uh, we 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 compared, we did Avengers uh, one of the last times mm-hmm. and it had like two hundred forty six yeah, million. million. So 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 this movie, just to recap, has uh, three point nine million people saw it. Yeah, in, in a theater. theater. So BSI. Yeah. All right. So uh, now before we chat about some things that are related to the movie that. Uh, there is a tradition that is developing that I am appreciating. This is, is interesting. That, uh, we what do we call this? <laughs> uh, bribes. Oh! I think we established that last time. It is the bribes when, tradition. When Brad dropped off some some, some beautiful bribes for yeah. us. Uh, yes. With uh, with our our handy dandy notebooks from Miami Connection, which and, I'm using, and the stickers, Taekwondo stickers. Just, uh, just just a little side note here. I I wrote and submitted a script for a, a play script, which was rejected, which is fine. But we'll set that aside for now. Yeah. But I wrote it by hand. In my Miami Connection spiral notebook. Very nice. And I appreciated it because then when I actually finished typing it and I go back and look at my original notes, stream of consciousness, bam, there they all were. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, describe what we have in front of us, Mr. Gary. Well, we have these manila envelopes. They have a little graphic on them. Yours is a dolphin. Mine is a dolphin. Mine is a symbol. Can you see that? It's a light red symbol, which I'm thinking... Oh, it's a is, fish. It's a fish, it's right? A, is, yeah, oh, yeah, yes, from a distance. From, from there it is. Here. It's yeah. like one of those fish that you have to put in a tank by itself because it will yeah. eat everything yeah, else. Yeah, like a betta fish. A betta fish. Yeah, it yeah. is a, a red betta fish. It is pretty. By Mine's way. labeled to Dr. Doug. Mine says Gary Mack. All right, and we're going to open this up to see what it is. It. This is, I'm assuming, from Kyle. Ooh! Yeah. Ooh, presents and, from uh, Kyle. As I'm looking in, oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Look uh, at that. The first thing I see, it's bright red. It's stretchy. It's knitted. It is a Steve Zissou cap. There oh, go. heck yeah. Yeah, baby. Here. Me likey. Me yeah. likey a lot. I am going to enjoy this. And oh. not, not just in the winter. There's also a letter in there. Oh. Uh, one to <laughs> each of us. From from Team Zissou. From with, Steve with, their, Zissou. With, with, their, with their logo on there. Well, yeah. Uh, Mine says, Dearest Intern, I, I want to thank you for taking part in this expedition into the depths of my film, The Life Aquatic. It means the world to me that you have taken the time to adventure and ponder with this group of wayward critics on whether it deserves to be enshrined in the halls of Pantheon. I hope you enjoy your time with the film, and I sincerely hope that it becomes as cherished to you as it is by me. To get you started, I've included the gift of an official Steve Zissou Red Cap. And I expect you to guard with your life, or that I expect you to guard with your life, or I will have my revenge and blow you up with dynamite. 
Welcome aboard Team Zissou. Bon voyage, Steve Zissou. Now, I, I have to say, from, from the, uh, the, the line in the movie that he says to uh, Owen Wilson, to Ned Plim- Plimpton, or yeah, whatever his name Plimpton. is, Plimpton, is that uh, uh, oh he's talking about the he's talking about uh, talking about the little kid on the pirate island. Yes, we'll get him a red cap and a speedo and a speedo. So uh, Kyle, I mean the red cap but, is nice, but but, uh, but not a gun because we don't give Glocks. But uh, but it, I, I I was hoping for a speedo to go with this so I could wear that during the podcast. Well, if you want, I will cut holes in my red hat and you can wear it as oh, a speedo. Thank you, Mister Gary. Yes. Oh, they won't have to be very big holes. I'm going to wear this red cap for the rest of the time. I today, am, my, I, and I turn mine sideways so it's different than yours. Oh, just yeah. to like go no. on with no. the. Uh, I the feel theme like of I'm part of the. I feel like I'm part. Uh, of huh. teams is Sue now. That definitely that. has to be a pick we throw up oh, on the. Yeah. Uh, no, that sounded bad. A pick that we put up uh, from this podcast. I'll, our, I'll, our I'll, I'll get my own speedo with it and wear it around the house. Oh, okay. Just sure. the speedo. And Jen the will appreciate it. <laughs> I guarantee sure, it. I'm sure she will. I guarantee it. Uh, and, and, right. and, and so will the neighbors. And thank you, Kyle. Yeah. That was thoughtful. I really appreciate it. And I will cherish my Zisu hat uh, for a long, long time. All right, uh, so let's chat about let's chat about uh, some things before we get into uh, talking about specifics. Let, let's talk about our take on the movie, w- working our way down from some uh, big perspectives, and then we'll we'll work our way into the weeds and, and talk about specific things in the movie. All right? Yeah. Um, so, as far as this movie is concerned. Uh, in terms of its uniqueness, what makes it unique? And yeah, I'll start with that. What what makes this movie unique? I've never seen a movie where they've taken what is effectively a play set, and I'm talking about not a movie that's a movie based on a play. That's right. But a movie, movie made as a movie, written as a movie, where they've taken what is effectively a set you would have on like a huge staged play, which is the ship, uh, as if you're looking at a cross section of it and had elongated, not just once, but a few times during the movie, elongated scenes where scenes continued as they moved from room to room to room to room. That's right. It must have been difficult. It was an interesting creative choice, uh, I'm assuming by Wes, uh, when he put this movie together. I've never seen that before. Fun fact on that, and a little trivia, is that he saw Wes Anderson had seen a ship cut in half on some... Somewhere, like, like at a museum, at a or museum something. somewhere, and just was fascinated by it, and and that was one of the things that prompted the development of this movie. That's is that he wanted he wanted good. to incorporate that concept into a movie, and then uh, let's see, I, I have a note on there. I think it was like the set itself was a hundred and fifty feet by forty feet, like it was huge. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, the. Um, yeah, 150 feet long and 40 feet high, uh, the, the set itself. And it was built exactly as a ship would be built. I, I've been on ships before. I've been out on ships. Everything is uh, very compact, very RV-like, in that like stair- stairwells are not vertical but darn near. Uh, rooms are just large enough for the components that are designed to go in them. You know, uh, things are packed in. You have micro versions of things. They were joking about in the movie about things like a special coffee maker, uh, espresso machine, or a special this or a special that. Those things are special, but they're special not just because they were you know expensive because they had somebody's name on them, but on a ship you really would have something like that because it's made to fit in a much much smaller space and do the same job. So that was interesting. I liked yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so. What would you say? Uh, I'll hold that question for a second. Did you watch Jacques Cousteau? I did as, as a, a kid, kid religiously. Uh, there were two that I watched as a kid. Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom was one. It was on Saturday or Sunday nights. Yeah, and the Jacques Cousteau uh, uh, stories. Um, I watched them regularly, and when uh, his son ran one for a while as well, it wasn't called Cousteau. It was called something else, I think. But I watched those and I loved them. I learned a lot about the the ocean based on those shows. And and side note, uh, as a child watching the uh, the Mutual of Omaha 
the the show. I didn't know what Omaha was or where it was, but it must have been some sort of magical exotic location. Magical place. <laughs> Never connected the fact that the entire show was an advertisement for a life insurance. Yeah. Never clicked in my head, but that advertisement wasn't meant for me. It was meant for my parents. I was a little kid. Mutual of Omaha. Now, so I watched Jacques Cousteau on PBS as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the Maybe not as religiously as you, but I'm definitely f- familiar with it and mm-hmm. the, the style. And that was definitely one of the things that inspired this movie as well. They even referred to him in the movie. They, and they, they did a little tip of the hat, right? They weren't like pretending he didn't exist or it was an alternate universe. Yep. And uh, from what I understand is that there's a, there's a couple of tips of the hat to Jacques Cousteau and a couple of other Wes Anderson movies, uh, like a book is a book title is in reference to. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there's a like in, in another movie, and I, I don't have it off the top of my head, but there's there's a book that references something uh, that's related to Jacques Cousteau. Well, it as makes well. sense. He's writing about his own experiences. He's writing about the people that he saw as as uh, you know positive or, or or that impacted him in some way. So of course it would make sense. And the uh, the boat is the Belafonte. Belafonte. And uh, that Jacques Cousteau's boat was the Calypso. The Calypso. Belafon- Harry Belafonte singing Calypso. Yep. So there's connections right there. Um, so in terms of uh, in, in terms of this movie, yeah. Do you have a thought? Yeah, I was going to say something else I found that was both unique and interesting, and I touched on it earlier, is the music in the movie. They they had one crew member who was seen to constantly be singing or doing something, and he sang uh, modern songs, songs that we would know, but you had to kind of listen to kind of connect what it was. It would be an interesting song. Life on Mars by David Bowie. Life on Mars, but in Portuguese, or or to a a completely different uh, beat. A completely different uh, musical style, yep. and I loved it. Uh, but they were they were touching on and hitting on uh, cultural uh, 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 touchstones with this music, um, but doing it in a way where it seemed like background. And the first time I watched this movie, I didn't pay much attention to the music. I kind of said, "Oh yeah, I know what song it is," and then went on and was following the story or whatever. The second time. I made a conscious effort to figure out what the songs were and how they would connect to where the story was. They always connected to where yeah. the story was. Um, those were all very intentionally done. It's not like this guy had a had a, a library of uh, nine songs that he knew, and that's the ones he played. Uh, they were all picked very intentionally for the scenes and what was going on. So I thought that was interesting. Um, not completely unique, but his twist on it was unique. I love that he twisted them the way he did. So... Um... We were chatting about this earlier before mm. we before we got here uh, that I had sent you a message on this and we kind of touched on it when we were talking uh, when I was engaging in the the foreplay on oddities earlier uh-huh. on um, is that this movie is definitely quirky yep and uh, one of the things that is tied into Wes Anderson's style is a certain amount of um, I said at first ennui and I still hold that there is yeah. this the the this um, the the ennui, a sense of, of it's not boredom per se, but it's kind of like uh, I, I'm I'm overwhelmed with a sense of life doesn't matter. this doesn't matter yeah um, and that uh, the that some of the characters had ennui uh, that like, I much, I would say I would say much of the characters had to one level or another some sort of disconnect for what's actually going on in yeah, the story. Yeah, like, like for example, uh, so Angelica Houston, uh, Eleanor, his wife. His ex-wife, that she, yeah. she, she, she had a lot of, she typified the ennui, the, sort of this boredom with life, and you could sort of see it in the choices that she's making and uh, having a guy, having multiple guys on the side and being, like, she came from money, but she doesn't really care about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, there's also ennui is not necessarily uh, what I would put on Bill Murray's uh, oh, character no. Steve Zissou. No, 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 no. Uh, it's not so much ennui, but like existential dread, right? So okay. like some angst that he has about like he peaked ten years ago and he's wondering if he matters anymore. I think he's desperately trying to make sure that he still matters. Uh, but it, you know, on top of that, his character is so arrogant, so self-important that he 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 feels like he's just going to drive everything forward he could care less 
what yeah. people say or what barriers get in the way. He's just going to go, 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 go. Yeah, and he's doing it based on pretty much charm and will alone. Not not through, like, he's not terribly competent No, at his really. job. He doesn't know, like, he keeps so-and-so around because she knows the Latin names of the fish, right? Like, uh-huh. He keeps his wife around because she knows the Latin names of the fish. He does... He's supposed to be the oceanographer, but he doesn't know that stuff. Right. He he's he's walking on the beach and he mislabels the jellyfish, uh, and uh, that's when Kate Blanchett's character just shows up out of nowhere and, and says, "No, it's the Man of War." This and that. Yeah, that's right? the Man of War. Portuguese um, Man of War. So and then uh, so Ned Plimpton, uh, Owen Wilson's character, as well as Willem Dafoe, uh, that they didn't really have ennui or existential dread or angst, but they they more. They were more typified by um, this repressed curiosity or interest. Like they, they, they wanted something. Yeah, but they they wanted to be on the team. Yeah, they wanted to be on the team, and they were maybe even afraid they would never be. Yeah, and and then when we were chatting about it, that there was like, uh, I said, so everyone has a piece missing. It's like everyone has the puzzle, but there's a piece missing to their puzzle, mm-hmm. and. Like and everyone kind of deals with that piece missing differently. With some through ennui, some through dread, some through this this like striving for curious, like to be a part of something. But um, circling back to the oddities and the quirkiness is that not it's a movie that's about dread or angst or ennui it is not necessarily always going to be somebody's cup of tea, and it might even to to somebody who's just chatting about it automatically you say, well, you couldn't make an interesting movie about that. And uh, I'd thrown you the question, it's like, what movies might you might come to your mind that, that touch on those feelings that you think are excellent examples? And you know, I think right when you asked me that question, uh, initially I couldn't think of, I couldn't think of very many, but it took me a second. And then uh, I'm just kind of coming back to my notes here. When, when I responded back, I said, um, uh, uh, Napoleon Dynamite, Juno, uh, even Deadpool, although it's tongue-in-cheek, you know, it's yeah. kind of like, eh, whatever. The Truman Show, um, Little Miss Sunshine, the, those movies have, they're not exactly the same. And Heathers, you Heathers, mentioned yes, as well. Heathers, uh, those are all movies that have the, uh, they still have that little flavor in there. It's like there's at least one character, maybe a couple of characters, maybe coming from different points of view, that they kind of really don't like. They care about what's happening at the moment, but they don't think there's anything going to be happening a year from now, ten years from now. They're not thinking long term. They're kind of just drifting. It's interesting that you say drifting because the film is about being on the water, yeah. being in the open water, the life aquatic, the life aquatic, as it were. Uh, you think it's a it's apropos why there's a couple of scenes in the movie where they are adrift whether it's uh whether it's uh the the disabled half sunken ship that they have to rescue the guys from that's Mm -hmm. been set adrift whether it's after the the helicopter crash where they're just out there adrift or on a character level in terms of that uh that he knew about the sun but the sun has been drifting out without being part of his life or mm-hmm. that for the last 10 years he's been drifting uh, yeah. with his with his TV show not really putting all his effort into it yeah. just kind of yeah. just kind of going through the motions I think some some good metaphor there for sure built into it all right so we've chatted about some uniquenesses of the film we've done a little deep dig on thinking about some issues uh, uh, related to uh, emotions and attitudes that that are in film like on we and and dread and and angst and all that sort of stuff um let's chat about some big thoughts uh related to the movie any overarching observations or insights let me cast it back at you what overarching observations do you have about the film sure we had mentioned this once already is that all you have to do is see a still of this movie and you know it's a wes anderson film and that is one of the, that, that's a, a part of the charm. It's not going to, again, it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but it's definitely, he has a point of view. Um, and uh, and going back to Ebert's claw, uh, phrase about that, 
I'm not sure I'd recommend it, but I, I wouldn't say don't see it. Right. And and there was a comment buried in on Ebert's uh, page where somebody said, "This is what I like about Roger Ebert and the the crew now because he's passed on, but the crew that is with him is that he had the uh, had the ability to commend a movie without necessarily recommending it." Recommending it. Yeah. Um. And uh. And I think that that that's something that we could. Keep that feather, keep keep that that ember burning while while mm-hmm. we're chatting about this. Mm-hmm. Is that um, we can commend this movie and maybe not recommend it because I don't know where you're going to end up in the conversation. Um, but but it, it is a very definite style, and it, it, the style is is unique and it's interesting and it's artistic. And and uh, I I sent you the link to the SNL skit yeah uh, uh, that they did a number of years back about a Wes Anderson film for hor- uh, Wes Anderson horror film horror film parody about the the midnight uh, something charcuterie of the sinister whatever yeah uh, like the yeah. Um, and because his style is so unique that they were able to just really nail it. Like, it's it's one of my favorite Wes Anderson things, honestly. And it's not a Wes Anderson film, but... It, the it, SNL skit. The SNL skit, because it, it just captures the that quirkiness. Yeah. Um, uh, for you, any uh, any big observations or insights? You know, for me, I, before I had watched the movie, I saw the, the poster picture... Which is a view looking through the front screen, the front uh, glass screen of the submarine with Bill Murray and the whole cast sitting there behind him uh, as they're they're driving, you know, the the submarine. Um, and I thought to myself, oh right, Wes Anderson. I think I mentioned to you, I get, I, I for whatever reason, someone said Wes Anderson, and my mind I went to Wes Craven, and I thought, oh, we're gonna watch a, ho- oh no, 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 Wes Anderson. Uh, but the, the, not the screen. Not with screen. <laughs> the poster tells you, <coughs> gives you the flavor of the movie. And then when you watch the movie, it's like they set up uh, movie poster images one after the next, after the next, after the next. For me, that's, I have to say the word, for me, that's exhausting. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mentioned earlier that it took me three hours yeah to watch the movie i i didn't hate it i don't hate the movie but it's not my cup of tea sure it's just not my cup of tea and so i had to make myself watch it the first time i had to find a reason to go through things i wanted to to uh things i wanted to look for music and those elements the second time and the third time as i watched it through uh, I would pause it, do something else, come back, watch some more, pause it. Picked up something I missed, some little thing that Wes Anderson threw in there, like in the rescue scene or in the helicopter crash or in the whatever. Uh, and, and you know that was interesting. Gave me little talking points of things to 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 hit on. But if I wasn't doing this show, I wouldn't have watched it three times. Sure, sure. Um, so in in the past, with the past movies that we've done, yeah, uh, that. Uh, I've brought treats, like I baked some acid for us to do, and then we did a huge mound of cocaine. We did, um, and that was what got us through the third time. Yeah, through the yeah, wall? no, through Miami Connection. Oh, Miami Connection. And, and we my did, bad. We, yeah. we did acid for They're blending for for, for uh, the wall. Well, Tonight, we did watch it without acid yeah, once, yeah, and then yeah, with yeah, acid yeah. the second. Tonight time. I've rolled, uh, as you'll see on the table, I've just covered the whole table with rolled some 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 grass, some doobies well, for yeah. us. Uh, that's that's own, what this and, is, and I hope you're enjoying all of the the joints that I have rolled for you tonight, Mister Gary. I'm more into the fat ones than the thin ones. Yeah, stuff. No, just saying. No, I can get it. And, and then also, as per the movie, that uh, Campari is the drink of choice. The the, know, the Italian bitters that tastes of orange and grapefruit rind. You are doing the Campari. I am actually doing a drink I like to call the Life Aquatic. Which is Scotch and Fiji water, uh, in honor of the life. Oh, of that's water. nice. And and just can I just pause to say this is some really good grass that we are smoking I, tonight. I, I'm a little surprised at the cloud that we've produced oh, so far. Oh man, but yeah, my God. yeah. Uh, just, it's the life aquatic. Uh, so we are having a clam bake, as the as, kids would as, say. So full disclosure: there's actually no grass being smoked in the in the uh, yeah. in the studio today. But uh, the the drinking the uh, the life yeah. aquatic drink yeah. is an absolute we, we thing. Slancha, uh, and we are enjoying 
that. All right. Standout moments. Uh, standout moments from this movie for you. A anything that really stands out. I gotta say, it's written here on the paper, but I would have said it anyway. I think Kate Blanchett was awesome. Not only was her character almost the only normal person in the entire movie, she watched the weird crap going on around her with the same mix of what the holy heck is happening that I felt while watching the movie. I almost felt like it wasn't the movie pulling me in. It was Kate Blanchett stepping out and sitting next to me watching the movie. And you're, you're stealing my thunder because I'll say the same thing here is that she, that I thought she was fantastic. Uh, I looked it up and she had won some, uh, not 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 national uh, re and regional, but like local awards. Like she won an Oscar for this? Not, not Oscar, but she won the Ohio Film Critics Award and the well, that's Las, to Las Vegas Film Critics Award for Best Actress or Best Supporting Actress. Uh, and, and and it's well-deserved. Well-deserved. Well-deserved, because uh, she did a great job. Now the, now, the movie is completely full of, of award-nominated and award-winning actors and uh, comedians and, and, and non-comedians alike. The movie is not like a bunch of, I don't know who that is, people. There are musicians and well-known Owen Wilson and Jeff Goldblum and, of course, Bill Murray. It's just full of top names that you've seen in a bunch of other things. So yeah. they didn't make the movie with a bunch of, you know, I don't know who they are. Yeah, and or, or people who couldn't do their craft. No? For sure. Um, that also, I did like the musical interludes. We've mentioned those already. Like, yeah. I, the, um, I liked the music itself. Like, sometimes the interludes, I don't know if I was always crazy about how they fit into the story because mm -hmm. uh, it changed the pacing, but the songs and the... The, the care that went into the music was really cool. I felt like the, the, the musical interludes were like the, uh, like if you're riding a roller coaster that may not be the most fun roller coaster, and then you have those parts where it's like little bunny hills or a flat spot. Yep. For me, that was the musical interludes. It was sure. like, okay, I could take a breath. This is great. And some of them went on for you know, 60, 90 seconds. It wasn't like, you know, 15 seconds of music and then off to the thing. It, they, they, they went on with them. I liked it. The uh, Also, from Kyle's write-up, uh, that so that he nom so when he nominated the film and, mm -hmm. and said um, that he had a lot of great things that, obviously to say about it because he just loves the movie through and through. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that he did mention in his his, his write up was uh, we don't really discuss enough in our pantheon reviews is costuming. Mm -hmm. So uh, this goes not just cin cinematography that. Wes Anderson just really has a very unique view, an interesting color palette that he builds. That he, I don't know which resale or resign shop that he shops at to f stock his his films with with uh, Victrola. Uh, <laughs> like he, I'm sure he has a staff, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if he works with the same very small staff of costumers and set designers. Uh, for all that, and they know exactly what he wants yeah. because they nail it for him. Bing, bing, bing every time. Uh, costuming goes into, in, in this case, costuming kind of wraps into cinematography because yeah. it's part of his... his color palette. Color palette yeah. and, and look. His, yeah. his aesthetic, right? Yeah. Um, and he put a lot of care into it. That we're wearing these beautiful the, red red hats right now. The red Zizu team hats. Even though it's warm, we're still wearing them right now. Well, I took off my shirt because the hat was no. Me I know, warm, I know. As long as you don't mind, my, I'm down uh, to my. Uh, I I brought my own speedo, as you can see, because I'm wearing that right now. Oh, that is a speedo. No, it there. is. It is. Oh, I have to lift up my gun what? a little bit. What yeah. is the What is the print on that? Oh, that is Jaguar print to go with the film. That's amazing. It is. It I is. I didn't think. You were so thoughtful. I know, I know. Uh, so, but the I, I I thought the costuming was very interesting, and and there are hints that uh, built into it that everybody has their own red cap. He was talking about the red hats in his. He was talking about how each one had not just a red hat, but this person has a ball on the top. This person's red hat is a is it, a is an Indian or uh, too head, big or head wrap. or a headdress, uh, you mm -hmm. know, a head wrap that goes with uh, yeah with being a Sikh or or whatever it yeah. is. Um, so yeah. So, in this case, it is something to be commended mm -hmm. uh, for the care and the uh, the the aesthetic that goes into it. Kate Blanchett's character uh, in the beginning, it was hard to know whether she was pregnant or not. But somewhere about the middle of the movie, she started wearing shirts that always allowed her belly to be visible. 
I, I noticed it. I think that you know one of the, the the not the first time through, maybe the second or third. There was always a little pregnant belly just kind of peeking, and she wasn't like nine months gonna pop kind of a deal, but always had the little pooch. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. And 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 uh, I thought that was interesting because it was almost like they were like, hey, we don't want to forget that this girl's pregnant, yeah. right? That she's doing this as a pregnant. This is how strong she is. Is that even while she's pregnant and working through the pregnancy, she's still. Being involved in this, you know, emotional turmoil, this whole adventure that she's doing, I thought that was kind of cool. The uh, this is a yet another movie that has uh, that has a uh, some partial nudity in it. That that the in it yeah. like the the one lady who just is topless for whatever reason, right? Uh, I think because they were in Europe. I, I don't know. I forgot about the scene to be honest with you, but it there was, was like, like I do yeah, remember there, it. Yeah, there was a couple. There was like, oh hey, oh she's topless. It's almost like a, not another teen movie. Yeah, like the, this one there character is. is always naked. Um, so uh, breakdown by categories that uh, the categories that that often go into these discussions: uh, acting and casting. Any thoughts on acting and casting? Okay, I thought the casting was great because I liked the the cat the, the the group of actors that were involved in this. I think that for the most part, the acting was. Um, I, I can't tell if the actors were doing what the director wanted, or if for whatever reason they were just kind of saying their lines. With the exception of Kate Blanchett, uh, I thought Jeff Goldblum Goldblum just picked a character from a previous movie and just played that. Bill Murray was Bill Murray. Um, which is fine. It's Bill Murray. That's his thing. You know, if you see Chevy Chase in a movie, he's always he Chevy Chase. He was more Chase the Lost in, in Translation version of it. Yeah. But... Um, I thought that Owen Wilson was the same Owen Wilson I've seen in a handful of movies. I, I, I don't think, and I'm getting to my point here, the acting in this movie wasn't, I don't think the acting in this movie was top. I think it was intentional choice to go the direction that they did for, for the way they acted. By the director or by, by the, the director? Actors. Fair enough. But... Can't blame the actors for doing what the director says. Yeah, well, and it fits with Wes Anderson's style. Mm. I'll be honest, it, the um, like it would. I, I don't want to use the word grading, but it was just hard to get into uh, yeah. at times. Yeah. Um, just because of so much, like everything was repressed or underplayed. Yeah, I agree. And, and some people will watch that and say that's amazing, and the irony is so great. Uh, sure. It, it it didn't resonate in the same way with me. Um, directing, but, I, but at, I liked the casting. Yeah, I liked the casting. Very not, interesting I'm, characters. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so sure about the acting. So uh, directing. The uh, what do you think about directing, editing, um, the choices that they made with cuts and how they cut the film? I, I, I thought it was. <laughs> Well, no, I can't. I can't. I can't really. I don't really have anything negative or positive to say. I felt like they told the story. Um, the director is Wes Anderson, so he's going to do what he does. I mean, you're watching a Wes Anderson movie; it's going to be a Wes Anderson movie. This is his style. Um, but I don't. I didn't see anything that was like weird or what'd out you, of place. What do you feel about the huge stylistic shifts that happen from filming on a stage set? That was a play set of yeah. the film of the ship of cut the in ship. half, to sh- filming on a ship, to moving to offshore, right. to being on an island, uh, to to like the different locations, but then also the stop motion stuff. So there was a lot of different directions. Yeah, and I was going to put the stop motion stuff in special effects. But, uh, I thought the stop motion stuff was jarring for me, but I, but I get that was his style. It was stylistically a choice he made. He didn't do it because he ran on a budget. He did, that's what he wanted, but. Um, I, it was odd when they would go from like this stage set of the ship to being an actual ship. Okay, fine, I'm alright with that. Then they go on shore, and I, and you just reminded me of something. The whole rescue scene where they uh, ran, and ran 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 and ran, which almost had a Monty Python esque quality. Felt to like it. it a bit, yeah. And then they got to the place and they cleared the entire building. They cleared the entire building, and then somehow found. Uh, more rooms with more people, including the guy hidden in a closet. That was comedic. I get it, but it just felt like it felt like they shot all this stuff and decided to keep it all. And then there was the actual part where they found the guy, and then sure. and then they found the room full of bad guys. Uh, what do you think about cinematography? Uh, we, we already kind of chatted about this, but what do you think about the cinematography, the stylistic choices, I costuming? It, and it all was that? Wes Anderson. It was what you would expect from him. Um, do you like all the locations? Uh, with the exception of 
almost everything that was on land. Okay. Um, screenplay, in terms of the story itself. Uh, I felt like the story wandered a bunch. And I felt like there were whole sections of the story where um, they weren't moving forward. They were just adding another adventure. Uh, whether it was the uh, whether it was the pirates or whether it was like I said the rescue scene or um, rescuing Jeff Goldblum from his ship and his guys from that ship um, some of those things just felt like oh and they ran out of money and he had to go somehow travel back to where his ex-wife was and get more money from her mm-hmm. um, which she immediately said no and then did it anyway uh, so I missed that plot point somebody could explain that one to me but um, uh, I mean. The storyline moved forward. They did eventually find the shark, right? Spoiler alert. They found the shark, and he didn't kill it. He didn't blow it up. They looked at it, and ooed and odd, and they went home. Yeah, and um, some people kind of connect this or compare it to a Moby Dick type uh, of a tale, like that, or, uh, you know, like we're chasing down this thing. Yeah, sure. Um, and then... He was so adamant uh, in ignoring everyone else that as soon as he found this thing, he was just going to kill it. Completely adamant, ignored everything they said, including the legal, the ethical, the biological, the environmental reasons why he couldn't kill it. He couldn't care less. He's killing it. And then when they found it, he oodnawed like everybody else, and then they went home. And I thought that was that was an odd thing. How'd you feel about them killing off Ned, or Kingsley, as he got renamed in the film? Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised by that, to be honest with you. I thought that uh, somehow this would end up with a, a, a bit more of a sailing off into the sunset, him and his son together, uh, uh, Steve, Zissou, and Ned together. Um, but uh, I also felt like it was a Top Gun moment as well, that his goose died right there in his arms. So I suppose that had its own... That had its own uh, its own pluses. Sure. I didn't expect him to kill off Ned. All right. So, uh, kind of chatted through... Oh, and then anything about special effects uh, mm. that you would mention? I, I did. I, I said that the stop motion, it felt to me like, while it was a, obviously an intentional choice, it was a little jarring for me. Okay. They um, could easily have done, you know, something better than that. So, here's a question. Do, what do you think about... Uh, what do you think about... Um, so we're gonna shift. We're gonna shift gears and talk about the the voting now. Okay. All right. So, uh, AV Council. What do you think about anybody's votes? Well, I think Kyle's pretty obvious. I think Kyle's a yes. I think Kyle's a yes. I don't. I don't think there's any question there. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, he nominated it and he wrote a beautiful write. By the way, uh, listeners, if you have not read Kyle's write up about this movie, you need to, because. Uh, He's 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 not just talking about a movie that that felt that's like a feel good good memory for him from some time back in the past. He's actually talking about a movie that means something to him and why and how it affects him and so on and so forth. But yeah, it's his nomination. Um, Brad, uh, I'm guessing Brad is a yes, but I'm guessing Brad is a yes for a couple of reasons. Uh, I'm thinking he's a yes because this movie feels like. Uh, something that Brad has talked about in the past, and that Pantheon needs to be more than just these ginormous classic major movies that everybody would agree should be Pantheon. But, you know, in nominating Miami Connection, he's making a statement and saying, hold on, there's other movies that are not just giant blockbusters or classic movies that we need to be considering. I would say Brad would say yes. From the conversations that we've had with him, I think yeah. that he might say yes as well. I'm not sure why, but uh, but but uh, but he might be. Uh, any anybody else? Like, this one's hard. This movie is hard for me to go to under to not knowing the council members terribly well. Um, well, I would say there's one, uh, and you, you made a note about this that I, I'm reading, but I actually totally agree that Nathan's vote. I'm going to guess Nathan's going to vote yes, but I'm going to guess he's vote, going to vote yes for the same reason. He nominated The Wall. And this movie, while it's not The Wall, I'm aware of that. And Nathan's uh, write-up about The Wall was very heartfelt and uh, personal. Uh, I'm going to guess that this movie plays right into the kind of thing that Nathan would be interested in. So I'm, I'm going to guess he's going to vote yes, too. And uh, did Nathan and Rachel vote in the block? They don't always vote in the block. I believe they, in fact, I, I don't think they voted in a block two out of four times. I may be wrong about that, so uh, I guess we've got to look at the record there. But 
Yeah, and I don't know enough about uh, how this fits in with anybody anybody's individual tastes. Uh, but if I had to guess on the council... You could look at their top ten. Yeah, yeah. Like, if I had to guess on the top... If I had to guess that I'm thinking that the the Facebook poll is going to go yes, even though it's going to be close. It's because, very close right now. Yeah, right now that the uh, I think that the breakdown on it is like 30, 36 yes, 32 haven't seen it, and 25 no. So here's the thing. In the past... What would be, this would be an interesting thing to look up. What's the historical record for the Facebook poll? Have they voted no? And how many times have they voted no? Uh, I think that'd be an interesting thing to look up. You know, I'm sure that's that's been recorded somewhere in the, uh, there's probably a big giant book over in the corner here in the studio. Might be that book right over there. Where, like, if you go through it, it'd be like that book of, like, yeah. the history in the Game of Thrones I think of they all voted the no characters. On, uh, I think they voted no on uh, Dear Zachary. Uh, yeah, but the, you know, there's a specific reason for that, right? Yeah. Um, but but have uh, they ever voted no on a movie like on a movie that's, that's a movie like this by like a director that everybody knows with actors that everybody knows? Have they voted no on that? That's a good question. And so, I, th- I think maybe the answer might play in, but I think that might be why this is a, such a close vote right now. I'm gonna say um, I'll I'll cut to the quick without going down everybody's vote that I'll say. Four or five might say yes, but it, but I think that the nomination won't make it through. I think that f- my guess is that four say yes. That's my guess. Um, I was way off on uh, the wall. I said one. Uh, well, way off. There were three. I said one, uh, but I was wrong. But I, I think that four will say yes. And uh, what what I'm thinking is that the ones that say no will say no for some of the same reasons that if I was on the council, I might vote no or or some of the same things that we're saying tonight Mm -hmm. because uh for so i'm looking up the uh the 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 poll right now and i just i put in my vote and my vote is no okay uh while to go with that quote again that i could commend the movie uh but i won't recommend it right and like like there's things like you say like oh you know what i'm not gonna say don't watch it but it's definitely uh, but it's not—it's not a film that I would put in the likes of other films that would that have made it in. Uh, right. Uh, looking down the list that that have been there so far, are gotcha. you able to find the the poll? Yeah, I'm looking for the poll right now. If you search, oh, actually, you tagged me on it right here. I did. I couldn't open the link to the post. But no. If you search yeah. "Life Aquatic" nomination and then find the one from March 27, yeah, that's where it's at. So those of you that are listening, if you want to uh, put your vote in, uh, you're going to look to search the same thing. Now, on, on, on my laptop, it opens up the link right away. Right. But away. on my phone, it doesn't open the link. So, uh, and then uh, what's, wh- what is your vote? My vote on this one uh, would be no. However, I, I, I want to I I I explain something. When I watched this movie the first time through, was a week or two ago, I had a, a complete visceral reaction to it at the time that uh, that I have to I have to revise that my visceral reaction the first time I watched it was it was just like I was really struggling to get through the movie the second time through like I said I watched it with the intent of finding things like the music like uh, more than just the parts of the acting or the dialogue that I was struggling with but like those overarching themes or why did he make those choices the third time through i just kind of just kind of watched it in pieces but i watched the whole thing and and i think that um my first reaction was the kind of reaction that somebody would have if they watched this movie without like expecting something else like they were expecting bill murray in ghostbusters they were expecting owen wilson in uh, um, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Shanghai Nights or yeah. Shanghai Noon and what they got was this completely different set of characters that they'd not maybe seen out of these out of these actors and um, uh, while I still don't think it's Pantheon uh, I don't I don't hate this movie 
Sure. I don't hate it. If somebody said, hey, we're going to get together tonight, we're going to have some fun, we're going to watch Life Aquatic, by the way, I would watch it with them, and I would laugh and talk about the details, and we'd have maybe a similar conversation that we just had tonight. Yeah, and fill the table with uh, fatties and skinnies and drink some Campari. Why wouldn't to we? go with it. And some Life Aquatics. If that were legal, so... Well, we just go to Michigan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Michigan. That's very cool. Because it's legal there. Yeah. Uh, don't drink Campari. Uh, by the way, for those of you who are listening and you're like, oh, I should try Campari. No. Yeah. I mean, you try it, but... Uh, it's more of an add-on to a mixed drink of some sort, I think. Yeah. Like, if you want to make your Bloody Mary angry... Yeah. Angry Mary. Add some Campari. It's an angry <laughs> Mary. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. If, you, if you hate coffee and you want to find another reason <laughs> to hate coffee, add Campari. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it, it has a... It, it, it's like... if Now, if you're a person who's like, when you eat the grapefruit and you also eat the skin, like the rind oh. of the grapefruit, true? Like, yeah. Campari is your drink, man. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, did yes. you see the? This is just a little thing. Did you see the size of the glass of Campari that he was drinking? In it was like movie? he was drinking a diet. Coke. It was like a full twelve ounce <laughs> glass of the stuff. And I'm like, I have had a shot of that, and I was like, I was traumatized. And he's drinking a full, a full glass of the stuff. Oh man, I tell you what. Um, so the. Uh, uh, here's some fun facts, uh, just some fun facts about the movie that I had found. Uh, this is from Mental Floss, uh, that Kate Blanchett's character, it was based on Jane Goodall, and her character was also named Jane in the movie. Okay. So, like, her, the, the, That's ethos, interesting. the ethos of her character yeah. was based on Jane Goodall. Well, if you think about it for a sec, she's observing a bunch of apes in the wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wes Anderson, so when Wes Anderson, when, uh, when, when Owen Wilson died... Yeah. Uh, then they were doing his funeral service. That his brother and his father were on the ship in that scene. Mm. His actual Owen Wilson's actual brother and father okay. uh, appear as the Kentucky Air Kentucky pilots uh, aboard the Belafonte for that. Fair enough. Um, that the guy who does the stop motion animation for the film also did things for Nightmare on Elm Street, or not Nightmare, uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes, yeah, so we're back to Wes. Uh, Wrong yeah, West. Wrong West. Wrong West. Um, <laughs> Team Zeso's sound man, Renzo Pietro, yes. is played by the movie's actual sound mixer, uh, Paul uh, Medochak. Uh, so the, the, the film's sound mixer is the sound sound man in the film. Okay. Um, and the, um, the this was fun. When I looked it up on Wikipedia, just kind of like pref- like prepping for this, that one of the things when I looked up Steve Zissou, that there was a, a redirect for Steve Steve Zissou, the lawyer, the jurist. Oh. And uh, in the line, in the a line in the credits reads: the filmmakers acknowledge that the real Steve Zissou is a prominent attorney in New York City, specializing in complex federal litigation. And you can find a redirect to him in the Life Aquatic site. Uh, to the real Steve Zissou, so that's fun. So I'd made a mention. I'd made a mention earlier about that. This is a Touchstone, i.e., Disney movie. That was Disney's arm of movies that were not necessarily family friendly for yeah, many, yeah. many years. Uh, and that Nina Jacobson, who is an executive of Disney, right. Bill Murray was concerned that she got fired because of this movie. But in fact, uh, it was uh, there were a lot of people that were lost at the time. Her uh, her repertoire, her resume. Yeah. Has the Sixth Sense, Remember the Titans, Pearl Harbor, Harbor, Princess Diaries, The Chronicles of Narnia, and the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. So she has this amazing repertoire. Yeah, and and the Life Aquatic. And when she went on to to after Disney, that she went on to do the Hunger Games, People versus OJ, mm-hmm. uh, the TV show, and Crazy Rich Asians was from her her mm-hmm. film company and some Shyamalan movies. Now th- that note right there. Also goes with this movie lost a lot of money. Yeah, Six Sense made a lot of money, but then some of the other ones like the the, the village. The, what was the pool one? The lady in the pot? lady in the water. Lady in the water. Which, by the way, <laughs> the first time I watched that movie, I was amazed at how amazing that movie was. And the second time, I wondered if I was drinking the first time. I have no idea what you I. You know what? And I'm going to say this: the the uh, that some people like uh, like. Uh, uh, down like 
say negative things about the village as one of right. the, the things. I think they didn't I, get the I, story. I owned that DVD. Yeah, I don't like, even I got the story it. of that one. I think a lot of people said negative things about the village, but 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 uh, uh, village like Lady in the Water. I, I won't. Act, although I've only seen the village one time, I actually got it when I saw it. Yeah. So. Oh I, yeah, I was okay with it. Uh, and, and little fun fact is that Matthew Gray uh, Gubler Gubler. Uh, who is intern number one? Intern one. That's the one who refused to leave, right? Yeah. The others he, he left. He came back. He's got the curly he came back. He's got the broken arm. And I was like, yeah, no, I recognize that guy. That's because he's on Criminal Minds. Oh, yeah. Well, there you are. So there, 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 there yes. you have it. I think, as we mentioned, the uh, actors were not a bunch of, uh, you know, nobodies. They're known people that we have known. And we mentioned William Defoe uh, at one point. I think. One of the, in my mind, one of the hardest working actors during this movie was William Defoe. His character was written as a, a sidebar, almost insignificant character. He had two scenes where he was like, I completely liked expressing yeah. himself. I liked his I did. character. I liked it like almost as much as Kate, Kate Blanchett's character. Yeah, yeah. He he was he was the set. He was my number two kind of shining moment for for go. characters in the film. There you um, go. So, all right. To bring this conversation to a close, uh, any final thoughts or final comments that you would you would add? You, you were you were saying some final comments there before, but yeah. any any other final comments that you might add? You know, I, I think that uh, I think that this is one of those movies that you should watch. I think people should watch this movie. I think they should watch it if they like Wes Anderson, or maybe they've never seen a Wes Anderson movie. This movie would give them the full Monty of yep. what a Wes Anderson movie is about. Then some of the other Wes Anderson movies, they might actually enjoy even more because they already know what to expect. I didn't know what to expect the first time that I saw uh, Rushmore. Um, for some reason, it uh, didn't connect to me that it was a Wes Anderson movie or that it was uh, in that style. Um, and I didn't enjoy it that much the first time. But if I had seen this movie first and then went back and watched some of those, I think that would have been uh, better. So I think this is a, as far as the Wes Anderson um, um, uh, movie movie catalog, this is one you should definitely watch. Yeah, one of the things that Kyle said in his write-up uh, to kind of like pull it all together is mm. that, that he was saying, hopefully this is a redemption for me, but... Also, that it could at least promote a healthy conversation well, about a film that he enjoys, and it did. It did between us, Absolutely. and for the people who have watched it uh, as part of this pantheon experiment, uh, <laughs> as it were, uh, that that it, that it did it did promote some healthy conversation. All right, video landers, as always. I hope everyone enjoyed our conversation tonight. Uh, where can Videoland find you, Mr. Mac? Pretty much Facebook. Uh, I have a Twitter account, but, uh, Purdue Mac, but, um, but, uh, you can pretty much find me on Facebook. And, uh, the same can be said for me. You can find me on Facebook. I'm the guy who is named Doug Pruim, even though it's pronounced Prime. Yeah, that's uh, spelled, that is spelled P-R-3-O's and Y-I-M? It's a conversation for another time. Okay, another time. <laughs> as far as Video Videoland is concerned, you can find us uh, on Instagram, Adventures in Videoland. You can find us on the, the, the website itself. Adventuresinvideoland.com. But the conversation always begins and ends on our Facebook page. You've been listening to Criticism in its finest hour. Until next time, Videolanders, bon voyage. This has been an adventure. I, 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 was, I was actually going to say, right. I was actually going to say, Sail on, video landers. I, I was gonna say, ah, we'll send him a send him a red cap and a speedo. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know what? You know, you know what we should leave him with. Go ahead, you do it. You do it. We love you. We love you. Yeah.